Welcome back to the Ultimate Pocket Therapist podcast. We are a mother and daughter team of Shanette and Brooke, wanting to educate and enlighten others to mental health issues. And this is our fourth episode. Wow. I know. Look at us go. I know. Four. Getting pretty consistent these days. Experts. (laughs) (laughs) Well, in the last three episodes, we had talked about dysthymia. Uh, which is mild to moderate depression. If you guys missed those episodes, I suggest going back and listening to those. It has some really good information. Um, yeah, to just educate you on dysthymia. Depression. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, the really common one that everyone seems to have, mm-hmm. including me. Um, but yeah, we just kind of covered what it was, different treatments for it, and what it looks like in others. But this week... I kind of thought we'd do something a little different. We were kind of talking about maybe breaking it up a little and not just talking about mental health issues. Not that those are exciting mm. and fun. So exciting. Yeah. Yeah. Invigorating. But maybe just um, talking about some past experiences, talking about different stories, because I seem to have lots of stories. <laughs> From many, many, many moons spent. Right. Before water. Mm-hmm, before and, water. And dirt. Dirt was invented mm-hmm. even. Yes. Yep, you have stories. been mm-hmm. you have been around the block. Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. Oh, stories. So that seriously is one of my favorite pastimes. I remember <laughs> growing up driving the hundreds of miles in our adventures that we would take rodeo rodeo chasing. Trips. Yes, it was like we'd either be going to Wyoming, Idaho, Nevada, and it was hours spent in the truck, which is me and you driving, and I would get you to start on tangents of stories Uh of the good old days. Right. It also kept me awake. It kept you awake, Mm -hmm. yes. And Mm -hmm. it was one of those, no matter how many times I heard the stories, they never got old. And it's fun. Are you saying I repeat myself? Oh, yeah. Okay. All the time. <laughs> I am old. You are old. <laughs> but yes, you do repeat same yourself. Same damn story every trip. <laughs> every trip, the same story. And that's fine because I liked them. You know, if they were bad stories, I would have cut you off and be like, listen, yeah, just stop. I can't. I, I don't care anymore. But I did care because they were good stories. Okay. I, good stories. Yes. All right. So these started back, back in the day. Before you had kids, before you had me, and your life was just complete. And Oh, uh-huh. You, yes, because once you had me, it just sheer perfection at that point. So these stories go from before that, correct? Before you. Uh-huh. Before B. Before, it's almost like before B. 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 Okay, so, BC. So just to let you guys know, <laughs> BC, <laughs> before, before B. Um, my mother calls me B as my nickname. So if you guys hear that, that's me. That's Brooke. That's me. So. Anyways, um, I think I've, if I had a choice as to stories we start with, okay, I loved hearing about when you guys, you and dad lived in Colorado and you worked on the U Indian Reservation. Oh, yeah. And that was fun. you were a, what, a social, social worker, worker. Uh-huh. but for whatever reason, you were also allowed to carry a gun. Well, yeah, <laughs> sort of. That... <laughs> yeah it was highly encouraged yeah well a lot of people didn't know i had a gun oh okay kind of like yeah no we were yeah oh you want that yes that's oh okay yeah so tell us a little bit about that time like carrying a gun carrying a gun as a 
as a white woman on an Indian reservation. Yes, yes. Uh-huh. So let's go back. Like what? Just in case yes. not so everyone I is started, educated. I started here. working on the Ute Mountain Ute Indian Reservation right out of graduate school. It was my first job. And I had gone to a graduate school that was minority-based. It was in um, Las Vegas, New Mexico, and I had gone on a stipend. And a stipend basically paid for my education, but as a way to pay it back, I also had to work in a minority setting for the same amount of time I had gone to school. Oh, I actually didn't know that. Yeah. And so looking at jobs out of graduate school, there was an opening for a social worker in Colorado, and we lived in New Mexico, and for a social service worker for tribal social services. And so we decided to drive up. I applied for the job. And the best part is dad and I drive up, and I have no idea the setting, okay? And we find the tribal social service building which was outside the compound wait a minute like what year is this 1982 okay okay Okay. and so we pull up and of course i think i'm going to a job interview like normal job interview so i've got on this really nice dress nylons sandals you own a dress in nylon i did for job interviews gross i know i know i, I don't know what, how to take this i burned it after okay oh, okay that's so i get out and i drive up what i didn't know is every employee at the tribal social services watching me out the window taking bets on how long i would last <laughs> no kidding seriously <laughs> yeah it's like oh she's not gonna lie look at that dress look at that she's not gonna last she's not tough enough so i go in have a job interview with um Melinda, who's still a really good friend of mine, she was my boss, she actually hired me because she told me later she hired me because underneath it all, she kind of had a little feeling that I wasn't so prissy. I was a little like a little more hardcore underneath (laughs) that I might survive. Okay. But she hired me on probation. (laughs) She gave me three months, three months. So so (laughs) if I lasted three months on the Indian reservation, um, then, you know, yeah, yeah, I could have a full-time job. Oh, that's good. Yeah. So anyway, that's how I started out there. So the setting was, um, we worked for tribal social services and we were actual employees for the federal government through the BIA and that's Bureau of Indian Affairs. But the local tribal chairman, tribal council still had the right to fire us. So we were kind of like tribal employees, but we were also federal employees. And the position for tribal social services had to be filled by someone with a graduate degree. And at that time, kind of goes back to history of the Utes, um, they only, I think, had one college graduate period. And so they could not fill these positions with tribal members. So then it was filled with um, people outside the reservation. Okay. Okay. So both my job and Melinda's job required uh, master's degrees. Okay. Okay. So my job was basically a child protective worker. And I immediately inherited a caseload of about 42 kids. And I had no idea what a child protective worker did. 
first job out of graduate school. Well, that is a great way to start. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just jump in the fire. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you didn't have Google back in the dark no. ages to Google what that even was. No. So. No. No. But I, my first day, I was informed that you do not wear dresses on the Indian Reservation. Your dress code is long pants, even in the summer, and boots. And the reason why is because there's a large population of wild dogs. Oh, I love the dogs. Yeah, Sorry. wild dogs. We'll get into the dog this episode. We have to. What what story? Your your story of bullet. But keep going. Oh, bullet. Keep going. Yes. Oh, my favorite border collie. Yes. But yes. keep going. Keep going about the. So anyway, because also we would go out and do um, home visits and welfare checks on kids, and we are all through the mountains going back to houses and stuff. And they're also kind of a population of rattlesnakes. A few, probably. Just a few mm-hmm. snakes, along with dogs. Dogs so, and snakes. Mm-hmm. So, so no dresses. Calf high boots. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Long pants. Long pants. <laughs> yeah. And uh, so the gun part came because, um, so we weren't well liked. We meaning the tribal social services workers okay okay and because our job was basically we had to go in and remove kids from the home where they were being abused or neglected uncared for we had to then put them in foster care and with tribal social services we had to or the bia rather the policy is you place with family members then you place with tribal members and then the last placement was off the reservation in other homes. Mm. And we had most of ours off the reservation in other homes because we didn't have enough qualified foster homes on the reservation that could take care of the population. Okay. okay? And so often, not, yeah, not, not all the time, but often once in a while we, we might get shot at. <laughs> <laughs> So Melinda has many more stories of being shot at. She had worked out there years before I did, but it didn't take long to realize that, you know, you might want to be able at times to carry a gun and have the ability to at least shoot back if you needed to. If you got yourself in a predicament that you couldn't get away from. Mm -hmm. And so legally we could not carry a firearm on the reservation, but we had a lot of days that were pretty volatile days because we had some pretty high intense court cases and we would actually be warned that it people are mad, they're upset, you know, you may want to be careful on those days. The other interesting thing is we had to be off the Indian reservation by 4:30 at night because they would not guarantee our safety after 4:30. Oh. Uh-huh. They would protect us sort of until 4.30 and then we had to be off after 4.30. All bets were off? Yeah. That's... Yeah. That's So it did not matter what you were doing at 4.30, you were off the Indian Reservation. Interesting. Did Mm -hmm. the tribal members or the community know that too? Uh Uh-huh. Oh, okay. Yeah. So if they really wanted to be intimidating, they could wait around Mm -hmm. until 4.30. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, there was a, a police chief at the time that was um, not a tribal member. He was actually a white guy. And we had approached him about the situation about wanting to carry a gun, but not being legally able to do that on a reservation Mm -hmm. since we're not tribal members. And so his 
um, idea was that Melinda and I become licensed police officers, tribal police officers, and that way we could legally carry a concealed weapon. Oh, and okay. so we did that, and we didn't have it advertised. We didn't want a lot of people knowing that we had a concealed weapon or that we were licensed police officers. And so I always carried a thirty-eight in my purse and a three fifty-seven on bad days in my briefcase. Okay. <laughs> Just in case. On bad days. On bad days. The briefcase went with the 357. <laughs> you know, most people, bad days at work is that you forgot to bring your lunch and you're going to have to be inconvenienced because you're going to have to drive somewhere to get food. Yeah. Your bad day <laughs> was needing to carry a second firearm <laughs> to protect in yourself. In case. Just in case. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So the first time, this is the story you like about bullet, yeah. right? Okay. So the first time I think I actually drew my weapon out on the Indian reservation was not at a person. It was at that damn dog. <laughs> that dog haunted us. So there was a dog. It was a border collie, black and white. And it had literally been trained to attack white people. Seriously. <laughs> I am not joking. And we had one of our staff members, he rode a motorcycle in the summer, and he would just, like, that dog would come out of nowhere and chase him on the motorcycle. And then he couldn't get off his motorcycle because the dog was right there. (laughs) If I remember right, this was like a community dog, right? Yeah. Like, you never knew where or when this dog was going to pop up or whose house it was going to be in. Well, it came out of the BIA building over on the compound and knocked Melinda off the porch. It just lunged at her, and she came, and this one guy was a worker there, and he got the dog. So, in all honesty, anybody who was a tribal member, the dog would just leave alone, was totally polite with, and Uh they could control it, grab it, Mm -hmm. anything, ride a motorcycle, not get chased. Mm -hmm. But if you were a white White person, person. Mm -hmm. it was... uh, It's sold job was to kill you. Yes, game on. Mm -hmm. And they would laugh. They oh, would I bet just they laugh. would just sit on their porches oh, yeah. and just laugh at you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this was like the funniest entertainment, right? I mean, honestly, though, do you blame them? No. I think it would be funny, too. Like, if, if I had the same opportunities, I would also dog sit after there. Me. Mm-hmm. Well, I would also sit on my porch and just laugh at the circumstance of the dog going after ah. the people I hated so badly. <laughs> oh, oh, bullet. Oh, yeah. That kind of gives me post-traumatic. But anyway, so... One day I go on a welfare check by myself to this house. And it's summertime, and this is an older home on the reservation. It has one of those old-time screen doors and the, with a wood frame, and it doesn't really latch. It just kind of, like, hangs there. Mm-hmm. And the wood door was open. The screen door was just there. And I go up, knock on the door, and there's a bullet. And he comes lunging but on each side of the screen door were two panes of windows of glass. And he was lunging at the glass. And he didn't realize he could have just flipped the door open with his nose and got me. Okay. Oh. And he is just lunging. Of course, not a human in sight. If mm-hmm. they were there, they were not going to show their faces. They were having too much fun with mm-hmm. this one. And so I draw my gun and I'm thinking, The first time I draw a weapon on the inter-reservation, it's after that damn dog. And I just back off the porch, and I'm thinking, I don't want to kill a dog, but I don't want him killing me. But if he comes through that, if he figures out the door situation, Uh he might have to. If he gets that door open, I yeah. And I back it all the way into 
the car, you know, back up, get in the car, drive back to social services. And Melinda says, so how did your uh, home visit go? I says, I didn't uh, go inside. Well, we need to check on those kids. I said, I couldn't. Bullet was in there. Well, you're going to have to figure out a way to check on those kids. And it was <laughs> like, you check on those kids. I'm not going back. <laughs> you're like, okay, you be my decoy. Yeah. But, and yeah. I'll go check mm-hmm. on the kids. No, the dog one. The dog one. The dog one. <laughs> that dog always won. I think that's funny. Yeah. It's just you never knew what. Where or when. Where or when no. Bullet was going to arise. No. Bullet. Yeah. That's funny. I love that. Bullet. I love that story of Bullet. We should get a dog named Bullet. Yeah? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, okay. just for old time's sake. I just thought of that. We've not had a dog named Bullet. We have not had a dog named Bullet. Mm-hmm. Okay. Next dog you end up with will be named Bullet. Because I end up with all your dogs. <laughs> that too. Yes. <laughs> hey, they like the farm better. I know. They come, hang out for a bit, and then they don't want to leave. And who's going to make them? Let's be honest. Apparently not you. <laughs> not me. They're I ended happy. up with all of them. They're so happy. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Yeah, the bullet was a good story. Yeah. Yeah. You know, another one of my favorite stories, and I, it has been a while since we've actually talked about this, but... Well, yeah, because we don't uh, rodeo. Yeah, we don't travel and Mm-mm. take off anymore like we used to. Um, but is when, or I can't remember exactly what started it, but when the police chief had to distract and you had to sneak in for a child. Oh, the baby. The baby, yes, yes. Yeah. You should tell that story. That, that story awesome. of the baby. Yes. Well, this was after... Um, I had a weapon legally. <laughs> so it was just about just about closing time. I think I was about the only one left at the social service building and which was a little house off the compound. They wouldn't actually have us up by the rest of the employees. <laughs> we were housed down far away. So anyway, the police chief comes and he goes, Hurry, get in the car, we gotta go. And I go, Where are we going? And he goes, he got, um, he got wind of a big party going on on a home, kind of on the outskirts of the reservation, dirt roads, like, you know, up over hills and whatever, dirt roads. And there, every few months, every tribal member got a, I think it was called a per capita check because the Indian Reservation had received a large amount of money for oil uh, exploration on the reservation. And so this was what they called a dry reservation. Alcohol was not allowed, okay? Okay. And that's what we saw a lot of addictions with alcohol, a lot of addictions with drugs. That's why we had so many kids in out-of-home placements is because we had a high rate of addiction, okay? So apparently there was this big party going on and somehow he had received information that there was a baby in the back room that had been back there for two, three days with no care. And we were going to go get the baby. The only problem was the entire house was full of tribal members who were intoxicated and partying and had weapons. Mm. So we weren't going to just walk in and take the baby. Yeah. Okay. So on the way out to the house, he's coming up with the plan. And the plan is because 
you know, he could arrest everybody. Of course, we didn't have the manpower to arrest everybody. Yeah, you would have totally been taken over at that point. But he could go up and just see what was going on and have everybody come to the front of the house, kind of like in the living room front of the house, talk to him a little bit, see what's going on. My job was to go in through the back door, find the baby, grab it, go back out the back door and into the car without getting caught. Oh. Simple. Mm-hmm. simple and pray bullet wasn't at that house yeah <laughs> that would have been the end of the story <laughs> the dog would have won yeah <laughs> I, well it wasn't there so anyway we pull up and everybody you know they're all they're all worried because they're worried they're going to get arrested and you know everyone's intoxicated again dry reservation alcohol's not allowed and so he calls everybody that's in the house he says i need everybody out here so i can talk to you guys and just make sure everything's going okay. I found, I went in through the back door, found the baby, and he was in bad shape. He had not had a diaper change in probably two, three days, just Mm. the stench and just crying. And I grab him in a blanket and I go through the kitchen to go out and somebody saw me and said something, but I got out the door and I'm going around the side of the house with the baby and he sees me, the police chief sees me. And so he starts going towards the car just as somebody goes, she's got the baby. And we jump in the car and we're driving off as they're shooting at us. Oh my gosh. <laughs> this is like out of Dukes of Hazard. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so anyway, I've got the baby and we're just flying over these bumps and old roads, you know. And of course, they don't follow us. Nobody can drive. I think they're too drunk. And we get back to social service building, and we had a bathtub. It was an old home, so we had a bathroom with a bathtub and put the baby in. I call. Um, we had other resources on the reservation. They brought over some formula and diapers and How stuff. old do you think this baby was? I'm guessing probably six, seven months. Oh, so still really. Pretty little. Yeah, yeah too little. Pretty little, oh. yeah. And so then I called and found a, an emergency foster placement for the baby. But the saddest thing is that it took about three days before the parents came to the social service building to see if we had the baby. Oh, my God. Three the, days? They didn't realize their baby was missing. And in all honesty, that baby probably would have died then. I have no and idea. That would have been, you know. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. So so that's the sad part of some of the stories is, you know, because that's what happens with addictions. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Just a sad part. Yeah, definitely. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. So, you know, our reservation at the time, you have to realize the 80s. Yeah. And this reservation sits in southwest Colorado, kind of down the Four Corners area. Mm -hmm. It borders the Navajo. And it's mostly in Colorado, a little bit of it in New Mexico, a little bit in White Mesa over in Utah. Um, back then, I think there's only about 800 people in the Toyoc area. That's kind of the headquarters mm-hmm. of it. And, you know, it's got a lot of rich Indian history. Like, they had their sun dance and their bear dance and, you know, their really their ceremonies and their sweats and stuff. A lot of the, still the old Indian culture stuff that is so neat mm-hmm. and unique you know, but they also were just plagued with a lot of poverty and addiction. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They had a pottery 
on the Ute Mountain Ute Indian Reservation where they actually made pottery. I still have a bunch of it. I bought. I, I know yeah. that pottery. Yeah, it's so cool. Yeah. So they would, and a lot of it, I would have somebody I know make it, and then they would sign the back of it. And, yeah. you know, now there's apparently, since I've not been there, there's a casino. Oh. Yeah. Well, I yeah. believe that, actually. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's very common on reservations. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. That wasn't there when I worked there, you know, so... Basically, you know, it was just, it was a, it was an interesting job, but, you know, it was fulfilling, but it was also had its moments. Oh, I bet. Yeah. Yeah. How long did you work up there for? Four years. Four years. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. I remember one day, just like, you just get used to stuff that shouldn't happen at work. (laughs) You know, it's just like, this is not normal. Okay. (laughs) So... Anyway, I'm downstairs. My office was downstairs at this little house. And um, Melinda's gone. And when she was gone, I was kind of in charge of the office. And I get a call from the secretary upstairs. And she goes, hey, are you busy? Oh, yeah, I'm working on some paperwork and stuff. What do you need? Well, there's a couple of drunk Navajos out front sitting on top of their car. They're shooting at our building. (laughs) And I go, okay, well... Lock the door, stay out of the windows, I'll be up in a minute, okay? So I get my gun, (laughs) wander up, look at the situation and think, yeah, I'm probably not going to go out there and tell them to leave. So we called the tribal police, which sometimes they'd show up, sometimes they wouldn't. Depending on... Depending on the day, yeah. Yeah. And so anyway, we call the tribal police. Here they come, the two Indians jump in their car, take off, they do this little high-speed chase, you know didn't last long pretty soon they come back and go yeah they were drunk we just asked them to go back to their reservation escorted them off and I go okay that's good I go back downstairs and I'm thinking this doesn't usually happen at work does it like like, do people just like somebody shooting at us (laughs) is that normal and the the point is that you're in an old house that's not not, it's not like a concrete industrial building that's gonna stop a bullet yeah but they just had 22s. They weren't like high powered. But Melinda has stories of getting shot at with high power rifles and hearing the bullet like ping past her ear as she ducks and runs oh, for the building. <laughs> I guess that is kind of one positive thing of having such a alcohol and um, drug problem or addiction problems is they probably weren't very good aim. No, this is true. You know, it Mm -hmm. probably saved you guys Mm -hmm. a lot in the long run because odds Mm -hmm. of them actually hitting you. Right. Yeah. You know. And some of the crazy things, I had a a couple on my caseload that they were on my caseload the whole four years I was there and they just struggled with addictions. And I had their kids in foster care, but I'm just getting ready to leave and I get a call and dad and I were supposed to be leaving out of town. It was a Friday night. I get a call that this guy was intoxicated, had stole a bulldozer from the compound and was driving it around the Indian reservation, hitting things with it. (laughs) And I'm like, what am I supposed to do? But the sad thing is the tribal, um, tribal judge had just given them permission to have a home visit. The kids were supposed to be with them. He's drunk, driving this bulldozer around. <laughs> so finally, he crashed it through the side of a building, and they caught him. 
Okay. <laughs> and then we couldn't locate his wife, but we did locate, finally locate the kids and put them back in foster care. But it was oh my like, God. yeah, he's just driving around the Indian reservation drunk with a bulldozer. Probably having the absolute time of his life. Oh, I'm sure. Living yeah. out every, mm-hmm. honestly, yeah. every grown man's dream, mm-hmm. really. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So when I moved to Utah and started working for a mental health agency, it was really boring. A culture <laughs> shock for you. It's like, really? Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, those are stories that you grew up listening to. Yes, yes. There's lots of more stories, but I always loved the yeah. U Indian Reservation and all the happenings that went on there. Yeah. Four years of bliss. Four years of bliss. Yes. <laughs> Well, you have so many interesting stories, and I think what would be really fun is to um, do an episode periodically of just a fun past career story, just kind of break up our topics okay. every once in a while. Oh, because, I'm good with stories. Oh, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And you have so many I actually them. never even worked on Indian Reservation. Well, don't tell them that. Oh, they, okay. At this no. point, they're believing you. Oh, you really, this is right. Okay. Read the moments, Mom. Okay. Like, Fine. Okay. Once you got them, keep it. Well, then way. there was the time I worked. No. <laughs> oh, that was one time. That was one time. <laughs> Jeez. Well, and if you believe that story. Uh, no, so. no. I am pretty sure she worked there. I've yet to see pictures, but my entire childhood, mm-hmm. I brought got brought up with these stories, so mm-hmm. I'm hoping she did. And I have pottery to prove it. Oh, yeah. She can't mm-hmm. find pottery anywhere else. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, not signed. <laughs> Well, anyway. I'm thinking uh, next episode, we should maybe start to break into some anxiety. And oh. mm-hmm. that yeah. would give us anxiety. That would give mm-hmm. us anxiety, those anxiety episodes. Okay. So we'll see about that next week. Kind of talk about just generalized anxiety and look at what anxiety is. Mm-hmm. And okay. how, yeah. We could do a year of podcasts on anxiety. I know. It's yeah. true. Okay. But I think it's important for people to really know what it looks like because mm-hmm. not all of it looks the same. That's actually probably one of the most common diagnoses too, as well as depression that I see. Yeah. I think majority of my caseload struggles with anxiety. Yeah. I believe okay. that. Sounds good. We will do that. Okay. Well, how about you uh, give these fine listeners a little disclaimer, even though we didn't talk about mental health, about issues. mental health, just a good <laughs> reminder, disclaimer. As usual, if, any of this brought up anything that was familiar, like dogs. <laughs> I really hope, for yeah. all of your sakes, none of this brought up anything familiar. That there are community resources available to help deal with any kind of mental health issues. Yep. If you yep. find yourself struggling, mm-hmm. do not substitute help. Or this podcast for actually having, getting help. Help. Mm-hmm. <laughs> not, no. <laughs> this would be a pl- poor place to go. <laughs> Well, especially this episode, I guess, yes. Yeah, this episode. Yes. Anyway. Well, um, look down in the show notes. Um, We'll have some links to our Facebook page and Instagram and the blog where we post stuff about the episode. Also in there, we will list the email, our email address. And we want to invite anyone that has a question or a good story about mental health, a time you're struggling, or if you have a generalized question, um, email us and we may answer it or bring it up or talk yeah. about it on the show. It'd be fun. Yep. But keep uh, identifying factors vague, please. We do not want to be responsible for somebody listening and knowing who you were. Right. 
confidentiality. Yes. Okay. All right. Well, we will catch you next time. Thank you.